0: Okay. <laughs> Sing with me, good morning everyone, if anyone has any keys on them, would you just take them out please of your uh, bag, coat, pocket, and just hold them up high, give them a little jingle. Okay, enough jingling, <laughs> God has been talking to us about keys, you can have these keys in your hand, and you can hold them in your hand if you like while I'm speaking to you. But God just wants you to remember this. Now, every time you see your keys, he's going to remind you of the things that he's speaking to us about in these days. Good. Keys open things. Yes. Keys start things. We had a, a nearly, very nearly had an unfortunate moment this, this week where my wife had gone to pick up our children from a grandparents. Met them halfway, just the other side of the Severn Bridge. And as we came home, as, as Zoe came home with the children... Parked up at the house and suddenly realized, where are the keys? Zoe's car is one of these that you don't need to put the key in. And then a a dialogue happens with one of our children. Well, I was playing with those back at the service station on the other side of the Severn Bridge. And I'm sure I put them there. And the car had made it all the way back. But praise the Lord that the keys had just slid underneath the seat and all was well. But without keys, you get back to your house and you try and get in. You can't. You want to start your car without a key? You can't. Now, the Lord has been given us keys in recent weeks, and he gave us another one this morning. The first key he spoke to us a few weeks ago was this. Put my praise on your lips. Anyone remember that? Put my. That's a key. You have to turn the key. You have to use the key. That key will start things for you. We mustn't be a people who despise the prophetic word. And one way to despise the prophetic word is simply this. is to let it come in one ear on a Sunday morning or a, a Thursday or Wednesday night. And then simply not put that key, that prophetic word, into action. Amen. You despise the prophetic word when you do that. And then we wonder why we still don't see the breakthrough. And yet God gave us a key. I have to use the key. And this morning God gave us another key. Did you hear it? What did the Lord tell us this morning? A key of agreement. Speaking in agreement putting those two things together. Sing with me. Let's agree together. Not about what you think and what I think or what uh, politicians think or what government think or what our teachers or our universities or our employers think. Let's agree about what God says. Yeah. Let's agree what the Bible says about who God is. Yeah. Let's put that on our lips. Let's put his praise on our lips. That's a key for us. Now, every time you see your key, give that another jingle. When you get to your car... If you you drove here and you're going to go home, when you put that key in your hand, whether you press a button or turn a physical key, when you get home and put the key in the latch and turn it, God is going to remind you that the prophetic word is not just for an auditorium on a Sunday. It's for your home it's for your family, it's for your marriages, it's over your children, it's for your job tomorrow, it's for your schools, it's for your university. These keys must be put into action. I love the word of God. God is very deliberate, nothing accidental. And he gives us keys and he gives us things that we can do, but it's absolutely useless if I leave them between one cover, a front cover and a back cover. I have to take them out, put them on my lips and put them into action. And God has been speaking to us already about a power, a key of agreement. I scribbled on my notes this morning. I'm just going to read it here. It says this, it's time for God's people to start speaking together. Now, we have a word over this church that God has told us, encompassing many other things that the Lord has told us, that we are to be a people that gathers together and goes together. We're going to just continue looking at that. I'm going to ask you in a little while if you'll turn. In fact, let's turn there now in readiness to the book of Acts and chapter 2. But this morning, I want us to see that God's people are to have one voice by the Holy Spirit. One voice by the Holy Spirit. We are a family. Did you know that? The church is a family. We come as individuals, but he has joined us. To one another, what greater expression in the family that there's a baptism after, and we can all go and celebrate as a family. And in that moment, it's not just going to be an individual being washed with some water, uh, just a symbolic gesture, something incredibly supernaturally powerful is going to happen. And in that moment, not just for RJ's life where the old will be cut off and uh, the new will come, something incredible is going to happen that he won't just be baptized into Jesus Christ as he's raised out of the water, he will be baptized and joined with us as the family of God. That's to celebrate. I will be your God, the Lord said, and you will be my people. Not my series of individuals, not my buildings and facilities. You will be my people. And we sang together this morning. And did you know what? Even now as I'm speaking and tomorrow as you wake up and the day after tomorrow as you go to sleep, there is a corporate sound in heaven where they're not all just singing individual songs, but they never stop singing together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. Amen. It's a corporate song. It's time for God's people to start speaking Amen. together. We've got to put these keys into practice. got to put them into use. I'm stunned more and more in God's deliberate uh, acts and what he does when he speaks to us through his word that he has this wonderful promise. If God's people will do actually what he says... If God's people will build according to the pattern that he shows them, God's promise is always this. If you build it his way, he will come and fill it with himself. Amen. Yes. And you can trace that through. You can look at the tabernacle. You can look at the temple. And you can look at Pentecost. When God's people do things God's way, yes. his promise is this. He Amen. comes, he literally comes, and he fills it Amen. with himself. Yes. 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 That's what God has for us. Amen. So we have to be a people that does things his way. And he's given us keys. He fills what he builds. And that is incredibly important. And incredibly exciting. And God has given us keys. Excuse me before I get into the word. I want you to know that what God had said before I started speaking is not separate. It's aptly all the same thing that God is saying to us. He's given us keys. We're to put his praise on our lips. God gave us a key. And when he gave us that key a few weeks ago, he said, I want to give you a key because I want to lead you into victory. Now, there are victories for us to walking, but the praise and the glory to God isn't going to come after the breakthrough. It's going to come before. That's what it means to put that key into practice. How do I know that? Because that's what the Lord told us. And Jeremiah 1 tells us this of the Lord and the prophetic word. It says, he watches over his word to perform it. He's looking all the time. And when he sees his word in action, he thinks, there it is in action, I'll honor it, I'll bless it, I'll keep my word. Because he is a God of integrity and a God of his word. Hallelujah? Amen. 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 Acts chapter 2. Wonderful. Here we go. I'm going to read uh, not all of the chapter. If you were here a few weeks ago, Roger was in Acts 2 as a church. We believe the Lord has told us to spend some time in the book of Acts, to go through the book of Acts. And here we are in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first 21 verses. I believe this is from the English Standard Version, so let's dig in, shall we? Here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked one another, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia— Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders. In the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. These are the days for God's people to be speaking the same. One heart producing one voice together. Now, many people write off Acts chapter 2 because they don't like speaking in tongues. They believe that's all that was going on. That's a wonderful thing that God has given us this gift. But it's not all that God was doing. When Roger spoke a few weeks ago, he told us that we often look back on the church of 1 AD with almost like rose-tinted glasses. Weren't they wonderful? Weren't they so perfect? Weren't they so good? And yet, when we join them at the start of this chapter, Roger told us, they're not the people that they were to become. Something had to happen. Something had to happen. And that wonderful happening with Jesus Christ sent his Holy Spirit just as he promised he would. And he didn't just send them a new sound, a new uh, tongue, a new voice. God did something internally which produced something external. God knitted them together in their hearts in a way that they had never been knitted before. In fact, before this moment, you find that the disciples are still a little bit of a ragtag outfit There's still a bunch of people who don't see eye to eye. They're disagreeing with one another. There's things going on. There are still suspicions abounding. They're still reeling from what Judas had done. They aren't the people that we know they will become. Something had to happen, and that wonderful something is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we see an evidence of that in a verse that if you blink, you will miss it. It's in verse 14. Just have a look at that. It simply says this, Peter stood up with the eleven. You wouldn't know it, but that is a quantum shift in just a few verses from where the disciples had come. Not so long ago, the followers of Christ were still unpredictable. There were deniers, there were betrayers among them. They were scattered, they were on the run. The great crowds that had followed Jesus had been reduced to 120. Where had they all gone? And here we are. And some of them are even just still thinking locally. Acts chapter 1, Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom here and now? They still hadn't really caught what Jesus had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. And if you'll just flick back one chapter to Acts chapter 1 and verse verse 15, just before the events of Pentecost. And out of all this uncertainty, we read in Acts chapter 1 verse 15, Peter stood up among the believers. Blink and you'll miss it. But there is a massive difference. Here's the scene. There's disagreement. There's conversation dialogue. Who's going to replace Judas? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And one man stands up. Among. They saw that out. And then Jesus honors his word because he watches over his word to perform it. And he sends his Holy Spirit. The whole room is filled. There is a tongue of fire for Everyone. For everyone, no one missed out. And then literally they burst out of the room onto the streets. And people are amazed. People are perplexed. What's going on? And then suddenly we read in Acts chapter 2, now that the Spirit has been poured out, it goes from Peter standing up as a lone voice among many to this, and Peter stood up with the eleven. There is a colossal difference. There is a colossal world of difference between one man standing up and raising his voice above the crowd, wishing he could be heard. And one man standing up with those who they may not be speaking, but they're standing arm to arm, back to back and saying, what he says, I say. What he says, we say. There's an agreement that comes when God knits hearts together. Jesus put it this way of the heart. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. God didn't just give them a tongue to put on their lips. First of all, he filled them with himself. He does something where he fuses them together in their heart. They were gathered together, not just in a locality, but together in one voice. So Peter could stand up and know that this is the days of standing up and trying to convince his brothers had gone. Now he's standing up with his fellow apostles and together, even though he was a mouthpiece, it was one voice from the community of God agreeing with the scriptures, agreeing with what God had said. To this point, they weren't completely in tune. I don't believe they were completely eye to eye. They were together in one place, but not together in one heart. But the Holy Spirit comes and he unifies the believers. He is the great facilitator of fellowship. And when the saints of God gather together, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's a life group, whether it's the youth, whether it's the children's work, wherever God's people are getting together, if you feel, I don't know if I can be bothered. And that's the phrase that some of you have used. I don't know if I can be bothered. Here's the key. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will cause you to desire, I've got to be with the people of God. I want to be with the people of the Lord. It's the Spirit that makes the difference. Yeah. Acts chapter 1, 15, Peter stands up among. Acts chapter two fourteen, Peter stands up with. And then we know what happens next. Peter sends out the most wonderful gospel message. The, the response is this, that they feel like the very sword of the Lord has gone into them and cut them to the heart. And their cry is, what must we do to be saved? And 3,000 are added. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, this wonderful Holy Spirit community fellowship life wow, but it took the work of the Holy Spirit to knit them in heart and give them one voice. And God has already been speaking to us this morning about the power of agreement. It's a key. And if you're here this morning thinking, I just don't know, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know whether I belong. I don't know if this is the home for me. I just want you to know this. You can get a very simple answer to that question by coming to God and saying, would you fill me again? Would you fill me again? Because God will knit you in heart. He wants you to be a part of a community of believers. God has called us. He's told us we are to be a people who gather together. The fruit of that is that we're also a people who are going together. And that means that we may not all be in the same locality at the same time. Right now we're beginning a work and we're pushing through that we're going to see a church established in the community of Adamsdown in Cardiff. And you might be thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there hear me rightly, that doesn't matter. We're going. Why? Because one heart producing one voice saying, that's what the Lord has told us to do. We're going. We're working together into the student communities of Cardiff. I'm not a student. I I, I left that. I'm 41 years old. I was telling my son, we were on a bit of a road trip yesterday up to the Midlands. And we were just talking about bits of life. And we went past Worcester where I went to university. And as I was telling him some funny stories about life at university, he suddenly realized that, my goodness me, that was a long, long time ago. I don't really feel I have anything to offer to university students. But I know this. Together, that's what we are doing. And we can agree together in saying... We're going. We're called to gather together. Do you know it's possible to be in the same place but be completely divided? If you simply want an illustration of that, just look at any football stadium, rugby stadium. Everyone's in the same place, not everyone's supporting the same team. One place, divided loyalties. One place, but not together in heart. One of the wonderful things, we've been in this hall upstairs now for a few weeks, and in a couple of weeks we'll be uh, going downstairs. One of the wonderful things that I've heard um, from many of you is this, hasn't it been wonderful to be closer together? Anyone, anyone agree with that? Hasn't it been wonderful to, just to, to sit with people that I wouldn't ordinarily sit by? It's been wonderful that I've, been, I've just felt closer together. Here's my gentle encouragement to you. When we go downstairs, don't sit at the back and the sides. But what you've discovered here, take it with you. That we will be a people that gathers together close-knit. God wants us to be together. God wants us not just to gather in a locality and say that we're together. He wants us to be together in heart. That is His absolute desire for us. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's the Holy Spirit that addresses things within my heart that may uh, try and wrench us apart may cause us to see differently on different things. It's the Holy Spirit that says, come and agree with me. Not just our opinions, but let's agree together about what the Lord says. Because the Holy Spirit loves togetherness. He absolutely loves togetherness. And some of you, even as I'm saying that, you're thinking, I struggle with this. I can't do that. Well, you may feel that you can't do that, but he can do all things. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I was so blessed just to see a little snippet of Dan's testimony that we'll read, uh, we'll hear a little while later. When Dan first came amongst us, I'm sure he'll say this, so I hope it's not a spoiler, and he came to the, the Academy of uh, Music and Worship that we held here at that time. Um, Dan really struggled to fit in because of different challenges. I don't want to uh, spoil too much, but I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that God has knitted his heart to our heart and our heart to his heart. And together, we can come before the throne of God together in one heart and one voice. You might feel that you can't for any reason. It could be medical. It could be historical. It could be mental. You think, I just can't do that. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. And if we'll come to him and say, Lord Jesus, help me in this, he simply says, oh, praise the Lord. He's spoken to us about agreement. He wants us to be knitted in heart that we would add the overflow of our heart together, we would speak in one voice. He loves togetherness. He loves unity. Psalm 133 tells us that he actively goes and looks for it. He loves it. And when he sees it, he blesses it. And not just a little bit, he pours out his blessing. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn you to one more scripture in a little while. But as I was praying for us all, the Lord pointed out some things that For him to do a complete work of togetherness, the Holy Spirit is going to bring some things to our attention. Not your attention, to our attention. There are things that need to be addressed in this house. There are things that need to be addressed one and to another. There are things that are historical, that are so old, that really it's embarrassing to even bring them up. But there are things of matters of contention between families in this house that cannot do. And that cannot stay this way because the Holy Spirit has spoken to us this morning about being a people of agreement. That means, church family, we have to put aside any differences we may have between one another. And I'm not talking about divided loyalties. Did you vote this way for that government or did you vote for this? I'm not talking about any of that. We're bigger than that. We're far bigger than that. It's okay to disagree about did you vote to leave or remain and still be in the same building together without daggers across the aisle? We're bigger than that, aren't we? We're bigger than that. We're bigger than sport. We're bigger than nationality. We're bigger than culture. Why? Because we're a kingdom people. We're a people of the kingdom of God. You can disagree. I love films. I love films. And I love films that some of you would hate. Why do you waste your time on science fiction? Why do you waste your time, my brother? Why? (laughs) <laughs> a case in point. <laughs> you can disagree about food. I don't eat that anymore. Well, how do I feel about that? I don't care. <laughs> Honestly, is that, if, if, that's, if that's your conviction, don't come to me with your conviction saying that God has told you to do that and therefore I must be wrong because the word doesn't say that. Right. 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 But I, neither will I judge you for if you believe you have a conviction to stay away from certain foods. I'm not worried about that. We're bigger than that. But these are differences and grievances and contentions that have to be out. They have no place in the house of God. They have no place believer to believer. They have no place in the family of the Lord. Some of uh, us, uh, there are past grievances which are so old. They need to be forgiven and forgotten. I forget who it was who said this. Unforgiveness works like this. It's like you drink a poison and then you hope that it affects somebody else. But it only affects you produces a bitterness. And some people, uh, I've met many believers over these, uh, well, I'll forgive them when they come and say, sorry, you are living in cloud cuckoo land. That will not happen. Because many people who you believe have offended you are walking around completely unaware that they offended you in the first place. You're waiting for something that will never, ever happen. You have been deceived by a lie, and that lie will take you to the grave in bitterness. You have to forgive them and let it go. Now, the Bible is very clear. When you come before the altar, if you have anything against your brother, you don't wait for them to come and see you. You go, you put your gift aside, and you go and see them. This is how family works. And God has spoken to this morning about agreement and togetherness. There are some things that need to be done in this house. Why? Because God is watching over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. Turn with me to uh, another scripture, please. The book of Genesis, controversial. Let's look at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. I say controversial because I was once talking to someone about this, and they came out with this statement. Oh, the Tower of Babel, that's where God realized he'd made a mistake. (laughs) I don't know. Wow. Wow. How small is your God? Our God is a great big God. He doesn't make mistakes. (laughs) Everything works according to his plan and his purpose. There's nothing that happens that he hasn't foreseen that isn't working out exactly the way he knew it would. Hallelujah. But the Lord, through even a chapter such as Genesis 11, wants to show us how powerful it is when a people have one heart, one vision, and one voice. So let's just read. We'll start in verse one. Just read to verse four, then we'll stop. It says this Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastwards, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks, bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone. Tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Let's just stop there. I just want to show you four very quick things so that we're all on the same page. Number one, there was one language and a common speech. They spoke the same. That's what the word says. Okay. Number two, they agreed to do something together. Let us do this. Let us is fellowship language. It's family language. Let's do this together. However, third thing to point out, their ambition was self-serving. Let us make a name. Let's build ourselves a city and make a name for ourselves. Now, God isn't against fame. God isn't against God's people and God's family being famous in all the earth. In the very next chapter of Genesis, God's going to show you a man called Abraham that he's going to say, uh, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sand. God has no problem with his people being famous because it's all about the heart and the motivation and bringing glory to God. But here we have a group of people in Genesis 11 who simply are self-serving. Their ambition was only for themselves. It's okay to dream big. It's okay to dream big. That your motivation, that's the key. The fourth thing is, their plan was completely counter to the command of God. Because they said, let's build ourselves a city here, make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'd be scattered across the whole earth. And yet God's first command was this, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So this isn't God suddenly panicking. And God changing his mind. And what we're about to read God doing isn't a a kind of knee-jerk reaction. I've got to put a stop to this. It was simply him work to make sure that his purposes are fulfilled, as he had already stated. So verse 5 said this, The Lord came, therefore, to see the city and the tower they were building. This is an amazing verse. The Lord said, verse 6, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. And the Lord scattered them there from all uh, all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel or confused because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Everything works together according to his wonderful plan and purpose. Okay? That's not God changing his mind. That's not God thinking, I've made a mistake. I've made a huge mistake. No. This is God saying, I see what they're doing. There's a principle here. Now let's do this. But then we take this all the way through to what we've just read in Acts chapter 2, where God knits people in heart and he gives them a new language. Then really we see the fullness of what Genesis 11 is really trying to show us. And from the mouth of God himself, he says this. Here's a lesson for us. If one people speak in the same language, begin to do this, to build this together, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. That's incredible. They would have done it. They'd have completed it. That's incredible. But their plan was against God's command, so God ruined it. God will not let any plan of the enemy stand. But he sees his purpose and he honors it. He sees his own plan being fulfilled and he blesses it. I love that. Unity and harmony mean nothing if they're not working towards God's plan and purpose. But when one people speak in the same language, see the same thing in heart, see eye to eye, stand shoulder to shoulder and say, for the Lord and his glory, let's do this. Then God sees it and blesses it. I love that. The Lord God blesses Unity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord takes people back in Pentecost, in an upper room. He pours out his Holy Spirit as a flame and tongue for everyone. And he creates one people together in heart and purpose. And by God's own words, nothing will be impossible for such a people. When they see together, speak together, nothing will be impossible for them. And God spoke to us together uh, this morning about the power of agreement. And we began to sing to one another. Anyone else find that awkward? It's just something we've just got to get over. We're family. And I can look you in the eye and I can sing with me how great is our God. And I'm not fazed by that. Why? Because it's two brothers seeing the same thing, seeing the same Lord and speaking with the same voice. And God blesses it. And throughout the scriptures, you'll see a strategy of the people of God shouting together and praising together. And so often that shout comes before the victory for Gideon. When this happens, rush in and say this, and together we'll all declare a shout for the Lord and for Gideon. There's a shout that comes before the victory. The battle of Jericho. The battle of Jericho is the oddest battle I've ever heard of. It's walking around a city in silence. But on the seventh day, right at the last, he says, and now raise a shout. And the shout is what triggers the victory. Hasn't the Lord been giving us a key about taking his praise upon our lips and leading us into victory? Not saying this is a shout that will come after the breakthrough, but before. When the foundation of the temple is laid, there's such a shout of victory. In the book of Ezra, you can read about this. That comes, it's God's people In one voice, agreeing together, how great is our God. And Acts chapter 2, God sends his Holy Spirit. He knits them in heart. He gives them a new language. They're all saying different things. They're all heard to be saying different things, but it's from the same source. He's the language giver. He's the one who knits hearts together. And out of the overflow of that heart, the mouth speaks. I'm so grateful be a part of this family. I'm so grateful to be a part of this family. I love this church. I love you all very dearly. And God wants us to be a people who are united around him and around his purpose. You may be here and thinking, I'm still in the Acts chapter one phase. I'm just here on a Sunday. I'm in one place, but I'm not in one accord. I'm in one house building But I don't feel a part of a house family. God can do that for you today. He can knit your heart with a brother and a sister. He can knit your heart together. He wants us not to live in Acts chapter 1, but He wants us to live in the wonders of Acts chapter 2. Living a life filled with the Holy Spirit living a life that isn't contained by buildings and facilities, but that people who gather together and filled with the Holy Spirit quite literally spill out onto the streets of Cardiff, the streets of Pontyprix, the streets of Cowbridge, the streets of Newport, the streets of wherever you live, the campuses and workplaces, speaking the same language wherever we are. God has a common voice for us to find this morning. And he's given us keys. Key number one, take his praise on our lips. I can only remind you of the key. I can't make you use it, but I want to encourage you, if you've got some of these, just remember, every time you see these, when you pick up your key on the house in the morning, when you're leaving, take the prophetic word with you. Take your word, take his praise upon your lips. And today he gave us a key, a power of agreement. Sing with me how great is our God. Isn't he good? Yes. Isn't he wonderful? Is there anyone facing a situation that you need a breakthrough in? You don't need to tell me what it is. but you just raise your hand? My hand is raised because there's a situation where we need a breakthrough. Look around, church. There are breakthroughs to be had in this house. There are breakthroughs of health. There are breakthroughs in our lives. There are breakthroughs in our work situations. There are breakthroughs to be had. Here is a key. We're not waiting until we hear the testimonies alone to give God praise. We're going to give God praise before we see the victory. Why? Because that's a key that he's told us. And together we can agree. And nothing is impossible for a people who agree. Nothing is impossible for a people who see the same and speak the same. Nothing is impossible for such a people and such a people we are. If as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to build this. Not, not this. Not this, this, heart to heart. Nothing will be impossible for them. I thought we would finish this morning by singing together. Is that okay? We're going to sing together. But I'm just going to pray before we do that. Because I don't want anyone to go without having an opportunity just to stand before the Lord. And give an account for what you've heard. Not just from me, but from what the Lord has been saying to us this morning. And to stand before the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, help me. We're called to gather together and go together. Let's just close our eyes and lift holy hands to the Lord. We are his people. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we want to give you thanks. We want to give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for the days in which we live. We want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation you've graciously given us. We want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, that we were lost and now we're found. We want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, that once we were lonely, now we're part of a family. We want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're a part of your wonderful plan and purposes unfolding throughout this entire world. Lord Jesus, I want to give you thanks that you've been speaking to us.